Hey, money friends, want to invest like Warren Buffett? We are revealing his 11 long as held stocks with the creator of Millennial Money and the author of Financial Freedom, our co-host today, Grant Sabatier. It is Wednesday, November 4th. Let's talk money with our friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the Financial Grown-Up Podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. And I'm Grant Sabatier, author of Financial Freedom and creator of Millennial Money, coming to you from my attic in Columbus, Ohio. Here on Money with Friends, we talk about the latest personal finance headlines. We add in insights and wisdom of our fantastic cast of thought leaders, including Grant Sabatier. We mix in questions and comments from our money friends and leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. Grant, welcome back. Glad to be here. Um, we are recording this before the election. It will come out after the election, so the world could look very different. Um, but we're not going to talk about it at all for that reason. We're going to talk about the long term now. We're going to go as macro as you can, and we're going to talk about Warren Buffett and the stocks that he has owned the longest. And the longest one is over three decades, which is crazy. Um, we also, by the way, we did a money quiz on Instagram. I hope everyone's following us there at Money Friends Pod. And uh, we'll reveal how our money friends did because we asked them um, which one of four stocks they thought Mr. Buffett had owned the longest. How do you think they did? I think they did well. <laughs> I think they did well. I'd say 90% answered correctly. I think so, too. I, I, Yeah, I, we'll see. But anyway, um, Grant, welcome back. You have a lot going on, so I'm glad you made time for us. Tell us a little bit. Give us an update. Yeah, so as we talked about in yesterday's show, Millennial Money recently got acquired by The Motley Fool, the personal finance brand. And so I've been busy helping transition the website over to their team and working on strategies for 2021. And so there's a number of products that we're developing for the website and for the platform. So that's kept me busy. And I have a television show in the works, and so I'm, I'm working on that. And I've also about a quarter of the way through from uh, uh, in my second book and writing my second book. So have a lot of lot of projects uh, still in the works, and now I'm starting to plan for 2021. Hopefully, we can be able to travel again because that's something that I love to do. And so I'm going to be out in California in December and January, excited to get out of Dodge a little bit. And so pl planning planning that and just what a year it's been uh, just in the world and in my own life. I just uh, it's just it's just been so, so remarkable. So kind of starting to wind down a little bit and and uh, and just t take a little time off as well. That's definitely a good thing to do, especially as we get towards Thanksgiving and the holidays. I think we all need a little bit of a break on that note. Let's see which one of our friends is going to lead us into today's headline. This is Andy from Derby, Vermont. I just like hanging out and chatting about the news. That's why I tune in to Money with Friends. All right, this comes to us in USA Today, but it is really written by Sean Williams at The Motley Fool. It says, take a peek at Warren Buffett's portfolio and his 11 longest held stocks. And it talks about the fact that Berkshire Hathaway's CEO, Warren Buffett, has a knack for making himself and his shareholders a lot of money. Since 1965, this is pretty impressive, Berkshire Hathaway stock has averaged a compound annual gain of more than 20%, which works out to an aggregate gain of 2,744% over the past 55 years. Whoa. Um, suffice it to say, 
he might know a thing or two about investing. And then it goes into his 11 stocks. And we're going to kind of go through them quickly and have a little comment. And I'm going to ask Grant what he thinks. And then we'll reveal how our money friends did. So the first one was Coca-Cola. And I feel like Warren, I feel like he's very identified with Coca-Cola at this point. It's kind of everything he's about. Right, Grant? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he drinks like five cherry Cokes at the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting during like the eight-hour question and answer period with Charlie Munger. So Coke uh, is um, without a doubt so identified with with Warren. He's a big fan, and he's one of those guys I've always appreciated. You know, he, he's just like a, a like a <laughs> like a little kid at heart, and he's invested in all these companies. You know, from buying Dairy Queen to coca-cola and you know sees candies these things that you know seven-year-olds like and um it's it's worked extremely well for him yeah and by the way and have you ever met mr buffett and have you been to his shareholder meeting are you a shareholder at all of, of berkshire hathaway I, I am a berkshire shareholder and i i did go last year uh, i've only been to the meeting once i was given uh, tickets, even though I could have gotten them myself uh, on my book tour. Uh, fortuitously, I was driving through Omaha the day before the meeting, and so was able to get passes and go with some friends. I've never met Warren myself. You know, I was a couple couple feet away from him, but uh, big fan. And I actually have a uh, Warren and Charlie uh, Munger bobblehead dolls right there on my bookshelf. Oh my gosh! Um, that that, are, that a reader sent me, uh, which I, I appreciate. So more than their investing philosophies, I appreciate their life philosophies, and so I like the way. They think about life, um, you know, Charlie Munger's, the, his, his almanac, you know, which is written about him and his wisdom is, is one of my favorite books. And then if you haven't seen Becoming Warren Buffett, the documentary on HBO, uh, it's, it's an all-time favorite. Uh, Warren's just an incredible thinker, and uh, everyone can learn a lot, even uh, if they're interested in investing or not, from, from how, he, how he views life. Very interesting. I have not seen that. I'm going to check that out. Um, great. So good, so good. It's so good. All right, so that's so going back to Tuesday's show when I was looking for recommendations. So we're all we all hopefully did watch election night coverage because that is a historical moment. But when you're done with that, if you're looking for counter programming, everyone go watch the Warren Buffett documentary. Okay, so the second one, this actually surprised me that he had stuck with this stock because it's been controversial, and that is Wells Fargo. He's held it for 31 years. Um, it's a bank, for those of you who don't know. Um, they've had it since 1989. Um, the article is pointing out that they have there has been selling activity in the stock. So he still owns it, but maybe he's not going to own it much longer. We're not really sure. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you can't hit a grand slam with all of your investments, especially ones that you hold for you know, over 30 years. And so, uh, you know, Wells Fargo is one of those companies that when Warren invested in it and as Warren was investing in it, was the uh, biggest bank in the United States, an incredible company, uh, an immense long history of, uh, you know, innovation and customer service. And so it's one of the things from an investing standpoint that he couldn't have uh, seen um, because from a fun foundational 
you know, investment standpoint, it had everything uh, going for it. Um, and it's just one of those things where I do think actually Wells Fargo, uh, under the right management over the long term, will recover some of its greatness. The problem is it's lost so much ground to chase uh, over the past several years, and it has a brand reputation problem. But it's an investment that I actually see Warren holding for the long term, given his cost basis is likely quite low in it. And uh, he's held it for, for a long, long period of time. That's a very good point. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if tax changes, if there are tax changes, if that impacts his investing, because you do mention that he has a low cost basis. And that, of course, impacts how much it would cost in terms of taxes if it were to be sold. The next one is American Express 27 years. And the piece points out the fact that it's what they call a double dipper. It not only collects fees by processing payments for merchants, but it also acts as an individual and corporate lender. So it's collecting interest on the monthly balances that people may have on their credit cards and also obviously cardholder fees. So American Express has been a really solid holding for him. Yeah, absolutely. The question is, can it continue to, to perform? Obviously, in the pandemic, American Express cards are so linked to two things that have been hit incredibly hard. Number one, business travel. And number two, travel in general. And so those two things were kind of at the core of American Express's business model, and they've been hit particularly hard during the pandemic. American Express is a company that as a millennial, I just really don't get and understand, especially as credit card companies uh, have, you know, Chase, other brands have released credit card benefits that rival or in some cases are even superior to American Express. So I don't see American Express being a strong millennial or younger investing brand. So I think that's going to cause some some headways or headwinds uh, into the future. And that's one of the big questions with Warren Buffett. Uh, he knows the companies extremely well, but we've entered a new era. It was nice to see Berkshire Hathaway buying some Amazon stock, even though Warren wasn't the one who bought it. And naturally, you see them moving towards uh, some tech investments that they, they've shied away from or he shied away from historically. American Express is one of those companies that personally, I think MasterCard or Visa is likely a better investment, Chase is a better investment. But, uh, you know, who am I to argue with uh, the, the greatest investor of all time? And again, these are his longest held holdings. They're not necessarily his largest holdings, and they're not necessarily holdings that he will continue to have. And we don't have the information here whether he's maybe paired back on the holdings. So that's all, you know, this is just the longest holding. So moving down the list a little, we have M&T Bank, 24 years, Moody's, 20 years. And then I want to talk a little bit about Costco, because this seems like something that was a little bit ahead of its time when you think about what's been happening lately is the Costco and the membership model. Yeah, Costco's uh, an incredible investment, and it's one of those perennial examples of a visionary CEO and a visionary leadership. And so it's 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 the same case with like investing in Amazon, you know, 20 years ago, you look at the founder, you look at what they're doing, you look at what they're trying to do, and you invest in the founder and the management. Costco is the perfect example uh, of that type of a company with a big vision. And were they able, were they going to actually be able to pull it off and differentiate themselves from the other sort of big box discount retailers? And what they've done incredibly well, probably better than any company in the United States is executed on their vision. And so the stock and the business really speaks for itself. I'm a huge Costco fan. I actually wait to fill up my gas at Costco uh, when I go uh, because the cost savings is is so great. And so 
uh, incredible company. He was able to see that very early on, and I and I see him actually maybe buying more of Costco uh, and, and doubling down on it into the future. Um, moving down the list, we have Globe Life, which is an insurance company. So a lot of insurance companies do very well. It's something that he's invested in a lot, that sector. We then have Procter & Gamble and Johnson & Johnson, both of which um, have a lot of consumer products. So that's been something that's been a big winner for him because, you know, even in tough times, you talk about Procter & Gamble, people are still buying detergent, shampoo, toilet paper, toothpaste, all of these things, right? Yeah, the the staples. I, I think Warren looked at at one point, you know, what are the things that Americans love and what are the things that Americans need and what are the best companies in, in, in those areas that I can invest in? And he clearly holds a number of them and Johnson & Johnson and Procter & Gamble are, are two prime examples where, you know, they, they have such diversification across their product mix and um, have such reach. You know, I love this example in the Warren Buffett documentary. He actually talks about, you know, you know, there's like an insane amount of Coke sold all over the world. And if you just increase the price of Coke products one cent, you make like more, you know, $8 billion more in revenue for the year. And I think the same example holds true with the Johnson & Johnson and Procter yeah. & Gamble. It raised the price a little bit. And uh, that gives you immense amount of scale, which you can make money on, uh, which is simple price increases. And so those staples actually benefit from uh, the consumer price index and natural increases. And it's not like people are going to wake up one day and stop buying Clorox wipes. Exactly. Well, certainly the consumer staples in general, I mean, obviously they have to be mindful of their brands and marketing and make sure someone chooses their product versus a competitor. But certainly those staples are going to be constantly in demand versus more discretionary products as this pandemic continues. And speaking of benefiting from the pandemic, I mean, UPS, he's owned that for 14 years. I mean, consumers and businesses shifted so much activity online. So this is about logistics. This is about, and this is just a moment for UPS right now. And he's owned it 14 years. It's not like he bought it in March. Yeah. And I'm surprised he doesn't own a lot more of it, actually. Um, even though he's had it a while, it's a relatively small, very small percentage of his holdings. And so the question that the article appropriately brings up is, you know, he's held it for so long. Why does he have such a small position in it, um, given the industry? But obviously UPS. It's funny that this episode has turned into like, a, what stocks do we like? What stocks do we not like? <laughs> and I've, I've never talked about this ever before. But now Molly Fool buys my website and there's a Molly Fool article. And I want to dive deep into the individual equities. Um, it's pretty funny how that works. But I think UPS is an amazing company, obviously. I, I, I could see him expanding his position on it uh, over the long term. And it's going to be interesting on a side note, this holidays, I don't know if you've been reading at all about how a lot of UPS and FedEx, uh, they, they've already locked up uh, their shipping. And so they're telling a lot of companies that they can't help them ship. And so uh, a lot of big companies now are scrambling with how to get their products out to consumers. And so I, I see UPS, FedEx, uh, just, just sky's the limit for them, especially in this uh, now acceleration of the e-commerce era. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's good, at least, that they are being realistic. I like the idea that their communication systems and their infrastructure is such that they know when they're at capacity, because I think that's important to manage customer expectations, because we have gotten used to so much on demand that this holiday season is going to be so different. It's something we've been talking about a lot on Money with Friends, that if you want something very specific and you want it in time for the holidays, 
it's unfortunately no longer a game of chicken with waiting for the right price. It's get it now or you may not get it if it's that important to you. And if it's in your budget, you need to just make that decision. And that's a whole new mentality for so many people. So UPS is really benefiting from the fact that shipping has become a topic of discussion. People don't take it for granted anymore. And that puts more value on being able to consistently deliver. And when you know you cannot, having the infrastructure to flag it in advance and communicate properly with your with your customers what is going to happen. So I think that's, that's also really good. Uh, the final longest holding of Warren Buffett is U.S. Bank Corp., which is a regional bank that's had really consistent uh, return on assets during periods of economic expansion. Um, you can tell I was reading that directly from the article. Um, more than half of all the loan sales. This is what is interesting, though, here. You talk about the future and banks that are positioned well. More than half of all their loan sales um, are originating from mobile and online transactions. So I think that's interesting because it allows them to be less dependent on paying rent on physical branches. Yeah, and an interesting thing about U.S. Bank too is they're 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 kind of a conscious company in terms of how they lend money and how they work with consumers. And so uh, it's funny how he has both Wells Fargo and uh, U.S. Bank Corp. that couldn't be more polar opposite in terms of the spectrum of uh, you know conscious consumer focused uh, brands. And so it's, it's interesting to see that he holds both. Clearly, is a huge fan of the financial services industry. And knows a ton about it, uh, and so um, yeah, I um, that's pretty much all I have to say about this <laughs> bank All right, let's move on to how our audience did on our quiz. Okay, so this is the quiz we asked at Instagram, and I hope you guys, if you're not already there, please join us on Instagram at Money Friends Pod. Um, which stocks has Warren Buffett owned? Which stock of these four has he owned the absolute longest? Coca-Cola, Costco, American Express, and Wells Fargo. They were all on the list, but of course, we all know now the answer was Coca-Cola. And the good news is that, yes, as you predicted, Grant, by a huge majority, Coca-Cola was the first choice. And to their credit, the number two, the one that came in second, as people think it was the first one, but still, was actually the second one, which is Wells Fargo. So they kind of had that idea. They were only a year apart, so they had the idea that Wells Fargo was also way up there. And then the next came in last, came in next was Costco and American Express pulling up the rear, but those were further down the list. So big credit to them. Of course, it was an open book quiz. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> but please join us on our Instagram. What's your Instagram, by the way, Grant? Uh, at millennialmoney.com. Awesome. All right. Hold that thought. I'm going to talk to everybody about how I organize my business finances, and then we're going to be back with our takeaways. I personally use FreshBooks. Um, keeping money, it, keeping track of money, this is so important. And I found when I started my business, I was really busy with the business part of it, but then I had to actually bill people and send out invoices and all those things and then track, did they pay me yet? Do they need a reminder? All those things that just always were taken care of before. I mean, I used to just get a paycheck from my corporate job. So to do that, I literally set up FreshBooks um, right when I started my business. And I, well, actually, technically, I set it up before. I wasn't really using it because I didn't have income from my business yet. But I set it up when I still had my TV anchor job at Reuters. And I just had that idea for the book. 
but it's been so easy. I can invoice clients and even more important, they now have ways that I can get paid faster. And I love that it also connects it to my business banking. That made it so easy when it came time for taxes. Everything was right there for me. It also helps me see where my spending is for my business and where my income is and how I'm doing. So anytime I'm feeling a little stressed out about my business, I can just go into FreshBooks and I can see exactly how I'm doing. So we have a special offer for our money friends. If you go to moneywithfriendspodcast.com forward slash FreshBooks, you can get 60% off the first three months when you sign up. The URL again is moneywithfriendspodcast.com forward slash FreshBooks. You get 60% off for the first three months when you sign up. And guys, I personally use this. I love it. If you have questions, you can DM me and I will be happy to share whatever knowledge I have and any more information about my experience that you want to know on Instagram at bobbyrebel one or also at moneyfriendspod. And uh, that is also our handle on Twitter at moneyfriendspod. So be in touch if you have questions, but definitely check out FreshBooks. I love it. It keeps everything in order for me and um, definitely made tax time, tax time so much less stressful. Grant, time for takeaways. I think it's uh, Warren Buffett. The key of this whole article is that if you want to be the best investor of all time, you want to hold your investments for a long period of time. And so it's no secret that Warren Buffett is a buy and hold investor that's at the core of the value investing philosophy. And so even some of these timelines, when you think about UPS, 14 years really isn't that long, uh, especially when I think Warren Buffett just turned 90 years, almost 90 years old. So Warren Buffett invested in, in a UPS at 76. And so one of these things is it's also important to remember that Warren Buffett, I think at the age of 65, was only worth like $500 million. And so he's become a billionaire uh, in his latter life because of the power of compounding. And so that's one of the things, buy, hold, uh, let money grow, let it keep growing um, to the point of our show yesterday. Uh, don't let the news cycle distract you or, uh, you know, get out of your own way. You know, you are your own worst enemy. And I think Warren Buffett's the one who said, uh, you know, s something to the effect of, um, you know, you don't get penalized for uh, the shots that you don't take. And so it's one of those things where no one's forcing you to buy stocks. Uh, no one's forcing you to sell stocks. You actually are in control of your investing life. And that's why, you know, he'll wait years sometimes waiting to invest in a company. And I think he's sitting on like $120 billion or more of cash because he's waiting for that right opportunity, even at 90 years old. And so there's no rush here. Patience really is the key word when it comes to investing. I love what you say about patience. I think that's so important because we all want this instant gratification of buying a stock and then like watching it go up, 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 up. And that's not always the way that it works. If you're looking for value stocks and you're looking at what a company is really doing and their business plan, you can see UPS is a great example that they were, you know, tied into a business that was going to be growing and will continue to grow by all predictions. And he saw that 14 years ago. You also said earlier in the show, it's not his biggest position. So that's also interesting. Just because he's owned it the longest, he's dipping his toe in, but it doesn't mean he goes all in necessarily. He's cautious, he's patient, he's thoughtful in what he's doing. And I think that's all important takeaways for us to have. I also think that it is industries, if you see there are definite patterns, it's consumer products, it's finance and insurance, things that he understands and things that he believes will be long-term consistent 
businesses. Um, of note, we did say this, but I want to repeat, this is not his biggest positions and it is not his best performers. It is his longest held holdings. So take that into consideration if you are looking into adding this to your portfolio. Grant, before I let you go, where can people continue to be in touch with you and follow all of your projects, including this TV show, which I'm so curious about, and your next book? What's your next book about? Can you tell us? So my first book was my journey from 25 to 30 when I went from $2.26 in my bank account to reaching financial independence. And my second book is actually my journey from 30 to 35. And so after I'd reached financial independence, I realized that freedom meant something very different than I thought it had meant. And I actually had to spend some time letting go of who I thought I was. So there was new space to become the person that I was yet to become. And so it's part money book, but more life book. Uh, than anything else and about you know my experience during during that journey and so uh, one of the kickers is I have a lot more time to write this one than I had the last one and so it's naturally going to take me longer and it's like anything in life you know we all continue to change and continue to grow and so trying to get those thoughts down on paper uh, as they're happening uh, is a particular challenge but if you want to follow along on the journey just go to grantsabatier.com and subscribe and I share my deepest kind of thoughts on money and life in a newsletter there. And we'll continue to as, as, as uh, you know, I travel this life journey with all of you. And um, it's just been a, a lot of fun here and really excited for 2021 more than anything else. Yes, I think we're all counting down to 2021 for sure. Um, if you guys want to learn more about Grant as well, you can see more about him and all of our thought leaders on our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. And please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at moneyfriendspod and be part of our live show tapings. We are on YouTube, which is search for Money With Friends on YouTube. You can also see the full show tapings with us on camera there and um, see more about what people were saying in our live studio audience. So please join us and subscribe and set the reminders on our YouTube channel. With that, thank you, Grant. We'll see you back in about four weeks. See you then. All right. Thanks, Grant. Bye, Bobby. This show is created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends, LLC, copyright 2020. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at Money Friends Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I am Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam, nailed it.